so in this in this in this section right now we are going to start directly with the Shulchan Arach. Um you'll see it's 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 Archaim, so Resh I involved, but they kind of do the numbers funny. But in the source sheet it's like uh towards the bottom of the source sheet. Um it's uh it's um uh, I'm trying to describe it. It says Shulchan Arach Archaim two seventy six one over there. The source sheet link if you if you haven't opened it yet, it's available in the chat. Not in the Zoom chat, but in our WhatsApp chat. Okay. You put it in the Zoom chat? I want to put it in the Zoom chat? Not particularly. Could you just... It's, it's, Make my life easier. <laughs> you only have WhatsApp on your phone? Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that right now. I can put it there. That's okay. I got it. It's a, uh, actually, no. Yeah, Helmut, you mind doing it because I actually don't have... It's on different... All right. David David put it in the chat. Great. Okay. Let's get started. So, the Mishnah Brewer, the Shulchanar says as follows. Akum Yisrael. If you have a non-Jew who lit... Uh, a fire, a candle, not a fire as we're going to see, a candle for the sake of a Jew, it's forbidden for everyone, right? even for whom it wasn't lit, for, right, it is still it is still forbidden, right? And we talked about, right, last time we talked about two different approaches to understanding why should it be forbidden for everyone else as well, right? One approach we talked about with Tosfus, which was the tiered approach that Tosfus understood that there's there's going to be an issue of allowing it for others because they may come to ask as well. And there was an issue, and according to Rashi, it was because the thing itself actually becomes prohibited. It becomes like a chatich isur. It actually becomes a forbidden item because it is something which was made through through the through the desecration of Shabbos. And then we talked about all the different conceptual issues with, well, why if he does it for himself, is it not then something that was created through through the desecration of Shabbos? And how does that work? And if you want to review that, it's available on the share that's available on the podcast for last time. Okay, let's move on. Didn't we start this series by saying that light for one is light for a hundred? We did, exactly. But we talked about over there a case where he lights for himself, right? So if, we, if, if he lights for himself, we assume as a status quo that it's for him. And the, for him, I mean for the non-Jew. And for the Jew, right, he's merely just, you know, there is no additional stuff being done for him. As opposed to cases where the non-Jew is collecting grass, right, then over there there's a concern that even if it's not clear that he's doing it for the Jew, there's a concern that maybe he's collecting more for the sake of a Jew, and therefore there was a discussion in the Gemara about whether or not it is permissible for the Jew to eat for the Jewish animal, well, for the Jew's animal. I know There's a notion of a Jewish animal, the famous donkey of Pinchas ben Yair, who uh, wouldn't eat forbidden things and wouldn't, you know, and wouldn't work on Shabbos, um, you know. But for the animals, isn't that only if they're friends or something? What? For the animal case with the grass, isn't that only if the Jew and non-Jew are friends? I am not disagreeing with you. We're we're, we're going to get there. There was it was a debate in the Gemara between Abaya and Rava. We're gonna we're gonna practically review this later when we talk about it in the halacha. I'm just saying, this idea about ner le'echad and ner le'mea, which you're mentioning, one candle for candle for one is a candle for a hundred, was mentioned in reference to a case where we have no indicator. 
right? Just as far as the Jewish animal goes, you know, there's this famous joke, right, that this, you know, Texas rancher goes to Israel, and and uh, so 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 Pichas ben Yair's donkey didn't work on Shabbos, and it had a whole issue when he sold it to a to a non-Jew and it refused to work. So so uh, you know, there's this old joke about this, you know, Texas rancher goes to Israel, and he's like walking somewhere in the Israel countryside somewhere, and he, you know, is really thirsty, and he bumps into you know some nice Jewish farmer who brings him home, pours him a drink. And, you know, he, the Texas guy looks outside, sees the guy's farm, backyard, it's like a small area, some, you know, a couple of chickens. And he says, you know, in Texas, you know, I get in my car in the morning, I can drive and drive and drive and not reach the end of my farm before the end of the day. And the Israeli guy looks at him sympathetically and says, you know, I had a car like that also once. <laughs> There are Jewish donkeys and there are Jewish cars. Okay, so um, let's let's move on. Okay, so we have Atto again. So he, if he lights a candle, and over here the indicator is that he's doing it clearly for the purpose of a Jew. It is forbidden for all. That's what the Mechaber says. Ramah says as follows. Um, and there is no difference here about whether or not Right, he hired the person to do it or not. Now, and I think this has been asked earlier, and we're going to get into this a little bit more when we look at the Magen Avram and the Mishnah Rura. But it's not immediately clear from the Shulchan Aruch what he's referring to. So he's talking about a situation where you pay somebody money to light a candle. But the question is as follows: What is he referring to? Is he referring to a situation where I have a hired worker? whose job is to light, to turn on the lights, clean the house, whatever it is, right? His job every Shabbos morning, 7 o'clock, he comes in, empties out the garbages, you know, cleans out the show, and turns on the lights, right? That's scenario A, and scenario, and we're going to see that there's, and then there's another scenario, right, is where his job is, is that he is kind of, he's, uh, you know, my my attendant, or he's there, and whenever I need it, it's his job to kind of read my, un, you know, my, un, my, my unverbalized needs, and it is, and, you know, it is, it is, it is his job to turn on, to, to turn on the lights, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to mute everybody, whoever wants to ask a question, just unmute yourself, okay? Um... So, so the, so he, um, so he's going to, so, so the situation is that, so over there, he is actually lighting it directly for my need, as opposed to in scenario A, where he lights at seven o'clock in the morning, it is for our needs, but it's a little bit less direct. And therefore, from the mission from the Shulchan Aruch itself, it seems to include all scenarios. We're going to see in the Al Yirab and the Magen Avram that it's not necessarily that simple. What scenario we're talking about? So, Mikey, if you just joined us, there is on on the WhatsApp group we have the source sheets there, and we are in the Shulchan Aruch Arachayim two seventy six one Reish Ayin Vav Simen Al Sif Alef. Sorry. Simon Reishayin Vav Arachayim Sif Aleph. It's towards the very bottom of the source sheet, or you can just pull up your own Shulchan Aruch. Okay. Oh, David just posted the source sheet again in the chat. Thank you, David. Okay. So, 
Um, let's look at the, so, there's so, 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 so the Ramah says it doesn't make a difference if you hire him or not. Now, the reason why you would make a difference, and this is a topic that we're going to explore in later classes when we learn about, you know, hiring non-Jews to, to, uh, do work for you, is that there is a discussion about what's called, you know, Naasem Midaito, that when he's doing something for his own ends, right? So if this non-Jew is hired, right, so why is he lighting candles? He's not doing it for your sake. He's doing it because he wants to make a buck, right? Because he wants to stay, he wants to get paid, right? So there's, and we're going to see that this is a very important distinction in Reish Nun Gimel when we talk about the difference between hiring somebody for a job or hiring somebody, you know, as a hourly worker. And this is a distinction which is going to be relevant to us about what his motivations are, what he's doing it for. But he seems to say over here in a blanket rule that it's not going to help you in, in, our, in our case. Okay. Um, or if he does it now bekablanus means that there's a difference between a socher and a kablan and this is an important distinction more for then but we should still talk about it now a socher is the following situation right a person hires cleaning help or hires an aide or hires a a um you know somebody to do landscaping work for them right so there are two ways to do it right there are some situations where you hire somebody for a job, right? I have a short, I hire an electrician. The reason why I'm saying this is because the guy ended up working on Chavez by me, and this was relevant. So you hire an electrician, or, or you hire you know, a, a landscaper, and they have a job to do, right? They have to do X, and they know what X is. And it doesn't make a difference how long it takes them, it doesn't make a difference, you know, you could even give them a window of days when to come. They are billing you for the job, okay? That's called a cobblon. A cobblon is somebody from the Lushan, from the, from the word, you know, the uh, cabel to accept. He kind of accepts upon himself a specific job, and that's what he does. A smoker is somebody who works and is paid hourly, right? So you hire some people. The house, you know, you have cleaning help sometimes, so the house is clean or not clean. They're leaving after four hours, right? They're paid $20 an hour, whatever it is, and they're gone, okay? That's called a socher. They're paid per hour. It doesn't make a difference as far as their paycheck if they finish the job or not. Obviously, there's situations when you blend the two or whatever it is, but, but you know, broadly speaking, these are two separate categories. Yeah, Helmut. Can I ask you, yeah, so, so this is actually came up with us. Um, so we hired somebody to repair our fence, right? And he usually comes during the weekday, right? He never comes on the, on the weekend. And then at one point he said, oh yeah, I, I need to finish it. I come on Shabbat and you know, I mean, it's, we hired you to, to, to mend the fence. But then the problem is that as you know, with all any work, even, even cleaning the house work, they come to you and ask you, should I do this or should I do this? Or should I, you know, cut down, you know, the, the IV or whatever, and and then it becomes a problem, right? I mean, f at least for us, because we felt, you know, it's our Shabbat is sort of, you know, now we have to make work decisions. That, um, so how do you how do you stand on this? That's that's an excellent excellent question, and there's there are the, it's not it's it's not trivial, and we're gonna have we're gonna we're gonna do this much more in depth when we this is a very important discussion which we're going to really get to when we, when when we when we go through the topic of what's called socher right and and it's it's very relevant um in uh 253 in uh Ration Gimel the short answer is 
is that he, if he comes to you with questions for more work, you're not allowed to give him more work. Okay? Um, he's only, and then as far as doing work that, you know, if he decided to come by himself, theoretically, it's not a problem. The only issue is what's called Maros Ayan. There's a concern of people seeing. But over here, so usually when we talk about things that are prohibited because of Maros Ayan, right, there's a statement, the principle of, of what's called Afilu Bechadre Chadarim. Even in the hidden kind of, the, you know, even in very hidden places, we don't do things because of Maros Ayan meaning to say because people may see and misinterpret what's going on, right? They may think that he was an hourly worker or whatever it is. However, when it comes to these things, there is a distinction between people who are living out of town, like us, and people who are living in a Jewish community, okay? People who are living out of town, and the only Jews or relevant Jews, meaning to say Jews who would be affected, are living in your house or near you, and you could explain to them what's going on, then it is permissible. And I had that story with an electrician. It was exactly that. He stayed into my house into Shabbos. He wanted to finish the job. I wanted him to finish the job, right? The only Jews in the area who are living were all staying by me. So I could have told them what's going on. So this is actually a very interesting case of Mars Ayan, that if there are no Jews living around you, and by Jews, I mean Jews who are observant or at least aware of halacha, right? And this is actually mentioned, right? Then... You are, you know, if, if they are all living with you, you are actually allowed to do it. But you can't give him more work. And if he asks you for more work, you have to tell him, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't make these decisions uh, on Shabbos. But if, again, if he's a cobbler, which is your scenario, right, where he has a job to do and he's choosing the day, right, then it's permissible. There's even a possibility that if you need the person to come on Shabbos, we're going to see about that, right? There's going to be discussion. Are you allowed to hire such a guy to actually come? If he tells you the only day I have available is Saturday, right? We're going to talk about whether or not that's permissible. That's a little bit more complicated, okay? That's all a cobbler. A schiryom, somebody who's hired by the hour, is much more problematic. That person you can't have on Shabbos, and that's not a problem of Marisayan. So you'll notice that some people do have cleaning help on Shabbos, okay? And that's not simple. We're going to get to that over here in uh, Sif Gimel and Sif Dalid. There's a limitation to what they can do, how they wash dishes, what they're able to do. We're going to see. It's very, very non-trivial, okay? If they're allowed to come or they have to come before Shabbos, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. But broadly speaking, we need to understand that there's a distinction between a kablon, someone who does a job, and a schiryom, somebody who's paid hourly. Okay. So the Ramah continues, and the Ramah says that in this scenario, it doesn't make a difference, and whether you have a guy who is a Kablan or a Schiryom, right, it is still prohibited. Why? The Since the Jew is deriving benefit from the work itself on Shabbos, Asur it is forbidden from no matter what. Now, it's very not simple to understand what the Ramah is trying to add over here about Nehenemi Melacha Atma B'Shabbos because he's benefiting from the work itself on Shabbos, okay? We're going to, we're going to, the Bagan Avram and the Mishnah Bura are going to explain what he's trying to add over here. Okay. Um, the, uh, Can I ask you a quick question? Because it, it explicitly says, says Melacha. Yeah. So, so how can that be Melacha? I mean, it's it's done by a non-Jew, right? Mm -hmm. We said that we can't make him agent, right? 
So for, for the non-Jew, it's always allowed. So it's never that, forbidden work for, and it cannot be forbidden work for you because you cannot make him an agent. So that's, so that's a good point. Well, what they're saying over here, Malacha, is that it's something with reference to us that would be considered a Malacha. You're right. Technically speaking, for the non-Jew, it's not a Malacha. It's a Malacha, it's just not prohibited, right? But yes, for him, what he's doing has no significance. But the idea is, is that where we talked about this last week, when when he's doing it in reference to you, right? Since he's doing it for you, right? So rabbinically, we have a way of somehow relating this work to you, and that and 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 that allows it to be classified as a malacha. It's not your malacha, right? The Ramah is not trying to say that you're doing it. The Ramah is trying to say that this fire is brought into existence through a malacha on Shabbos, and that's a problem. And you're right, right? We were struggling with this last week, and that's how we had to kind of go through this topic, you know, in some deep way about, you know. Why it's a malacha? If for a non-Jew, what he's he's not a proxy, and for him he doesn't have any any of these kind of laws, right? So so it wasn't trivial, but we we did come out that there is such a notion that in the decree of Amir La'akam they created kind of this you know pseudo pseudo shlichus or pseudo schia that we talked about that relates that gives it a gives it the status of a malacha and in some sense relates it to you right and 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 that's you know whatever that's that was part of the decree and the motivation for the decree was you know the debate between rashi and tosis over there either you doing it yourself or whatever it is right there's that was the, that was the uh uh discussion last week but but that's a good point yeah, okay, so, so let's continue. So the Shulchanarach, the, the Mechaber continues, right? So we continue over here. We are on, you know, we are we are on Shulchanarach, uh, Reish Vav. David, I think Ben just joined. Do you mind reposting in the chat the source sheet? Ben, we are uh, in the bottom of the source sheet. There is, you'll see the Shulchanarach Arachayim uh, 276.1. Okay, you can just pull it up, pull it up and follow it over there. This is my okay. least favorite part about Zoom is that they don't like have a persistent chat. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah, I don't understand why that would be useful for anybody. But okay, um, so let's continue. So the Shachanar continues. So Avil im hedliko litzarchay or litzarechayla. But if the non-Jew lights it for his own needs, or litzarechayla, or for the sake of an ill person. Uh, Yisrael, who's a Jew, afilu aim by sakana. Even if it was a situation where there was not life or death for that Jew, it's just he was ill, but he, you know, was was doing okay. Um, and uh, Rama adds, oilet sayrechtanim dehu kechayla she'aim by sakana, or for the sake of children who are like people who are ill and but not in danger. Now, this is a very important line in the Rama. Okay, and it is a very important line and super abused by a lot of people, right? Because as we're going to talk about, right, you know, you want to turn on the air conditioning in your house and you say, I the children, right? And then you go and you and you have someone turn on the AC, okay? But practically speaking, it is a very important halacha to know, right? Because, you know, the fridge goes out or whatever it is, right? You have to feed the kids, right? So, so therefore, you know, you can go kidnap a child and bring him and bring him to your house right, in order, you know, for you to maybe be able to do some easy Amir La'akam stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna get into it more. 
right? One of the very few redeeming qualities of children. Okay, so mutter, mutter, so mutter lekol Yisrael. It is permissible for all Jews to use, meaning even the Jew who's not ill, or even for the you know, people who don't have kids, right? Uh, for other people, v'hu hadin, and this is also true. La sos madura litzarchayla If the non-Jew makes a barn fire, and you remember from the Torah, this was a controversial topic, as the Shachanarch will go on to say, right? V'hu hadin madura. Someone makes a a, a a furnace, a fire for himself, or for the sake of a ill person. Now, v'yesh osrim b'madura, and there are those who prohibit a madura, mishum degazrinan, right, because we are, we are, we are concerned, because we make a decree, right, shemeir ba b'shvilo, that he may add, this is a typo, I believe, because it should be shemar lo b'shvilo, not shemeir lo b'shvilo, I, I, I don't think this is a correct word, but I, I don't have the other shachanach in front of me to, to, to look at it. But the concern is right that we, as, as we mentioned, that he is going to add more. Now, Haga, the Rama adds the final thing. Mihu im asa akum Yisrael mi daitai. If the if the if the Jew, sorry, if the if the non-Jew did these things in 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 the house of a Jew, right, against you know you know for his for his own purpose, right, meaning for the sake of a Jew, ain't how Yisrael tzarich latzes. The Jew does not have to leave his own house. Even if he is benefiting from the candle or from the flame. Okay? That is the Shochanach. Let us look, if you scroll down a little bit, let us look at the first Magen Avram. Magen Avram is an extremely important commentary on Shochanach. In Arachayim, meaning in the section of Shochanach that talks about, you know, the, you know, Shabbos, Blessings, whatever that's called. It's one of the one of the four sections of Shulchan Aruch. It's called Arachayim, right? Which is the one that really is kind of, in many ways, you know, it's it's it talks about festivals, it talks about kind of the daily life of a Jew, including you know the the calendar year, as opposed to let's say you know uh, Yeridea, which talks about kosher and nida and other things, right? So so in so in Arachayim. On the direct commentaries on the Shulchan Aruch for Ashkenazim, right, primarily, you know, in European tradition, the Magen Avram, in many ways, is kind of the primary, the, f- the first level, most important commentary post-Shulchan Aruch, okay? So we're going to try to learn most Magen Avrams, and then, you know, later we can look at the Mishnah Brewer, the Chayadam, other people, but the Magen Avram is extremely important, okay? The Taz, not as much. Right. Granted, there is a big debate between the o, the YU and Lakewood about how not much Lakewood they learn all the tazes and YU. From what I heard from from Rabbi Shachter, he felt very strongly that he doesn't even learn. Well, sure he does, but they don't make an emphasis out of learning many tazes because they they just feel that you know he's you know definitely in Yardea, not so much in in, in Archaim, that he's not authoritative. Okay, whatever the case may be. Um, the Wagner Ram says as follows. Uh Lakal, it is forbidden for all. He's talking about lighting a candle for the sake of a Jew. Right? And this is not similar to the case which we bumped into when we were studying the Talmud in Baya, right? We kind of glanced at it, where the case was that the non-Jew brought you a gift from outside the Tchum, right? So from outside the permissible area to travel on Shabbos, he brought you a gift. 
that even though it's not permitted for that Jew who the non-Jew brought it for, it is permitted for, it, it is uh, permitted for somebody else. So why is it different? The first reason is because Tchumen derabanan, because the laws of Tchumen are only uh, rabbinic in nature. Ve'od, and in addition, right, just in general, with the laws of Tchumen, are very individualistic, right? We all have a different tchum, potentially, right? If I'm standing in one place outside the city and you're standing in another place outside the city, the radius of our tchum, or actually, if you remember from the Mishnah's Erevin, right, the square of our tchum, right, do not over, or, you know, may overlap and may not. So since, you know, tchumim are very individual, so therefore there is not going to, so therefore the, over there they said that it's, it's only prohibited for the Jew who it was brought for. So the problem with the Bergen Avram over here is that he just gave us two reasons why tchumim is different. And there's a very significant distinction between these two reasons. According to the first reason, because Tchumen are the Rabbanan, so this would have applied to any law which is the Rabbanan, which, you know, as you're going to learn through Hilcha Shabbos, you're going to see that that's, in fact, the majority of the laws on Shabbos are the Rabbanan, right? So therefore, right, that should be, you know, so it should be permissible for everybody else. As opposed to, as opposed to um, the second reason of the Magen Avram, Right, that it's very specific to the laws of Tchumim, right? Because these areas are kind of you know individual, kind of individualistic by nature. So then, this leniency would only apply to Tchumim and not to other derabanans. Okay, and if you want, and 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 I would argue that it seems to me that the Shulchan Aruch not here, but but when we talked about the laws of putting food on and off a of fire on Shabbos, seems to suggest over there that he follows the second principle, and that even uh, rabbinical prohibitions, if they're done for the sake of a Jew, are prohibited to others. Because over there he said if the non-Jew returns it on Shabbos, puts the food back on the fire on Shabbos, it is prohibited even for other Jews. So it seems that he's following that reasoning, but we're going to see more about this later. But this is a very important question. Okay, the other issue is, is that if you remember from our kind of our conceptual discussion that we were talking about last week, right, the idea, the explanation of Tchumim is very hard to understand, right? Because if we're if, if the way we're understanding the idea of of um, of why this item that was you know done for the sake of one Jew is forbidden for all the rest is because right the this item itself becomes a forbidden thing because it was the product of desecration of Shabbos right so then with Tchumim you have a very weird thing right because in one sense, right, he brought it to this guy, so it's by him right now through a desecration of Shabbos, kind of, it's very, you know, relativistic, right? Because it's relative to him, there's desecration of Shabbos, right? Relative to me, who's sitting next to him, there, and, 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 but, but for me, who has a tchum, that's you know further or you know what we're right or or I or I who have a different chum relative to me there was no Chil Shabbos, right? Because this non-Jew right was within my two thousand, even though he came from outside this guy's two thousand, 
right? But he brought it for him, so therefore it's it's a very interesting thing, right? Because how do we then look at kind of this item, right? Did it come here through Chil Shabbos or not? Well, it depends, right? And that's why they're saying over here it makes sense to say that, okay, since by its nature it's a relativistic prohibition, then it will only be prohibited, you know, for uh, whom it was brought. But you could argue that if, let's say, you know, four of us have the same tchum, right, and then it was brought for one of us, it should be prohibited for all of us, because for all of us it was Chil Shabbos, right? Because for all of us he came from outside the tchum. Right, but 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 they're not saying that. So you know, it's from from kind of a you know conceptual place. It's a from it's it's a, it, this is a little bit hard to wrap my mind. At least, at least for me, it's a little bit hard to wrap my mind around. Okay. Um. So the uh, Magen Avram continues. Now he goes to the question of hiring. Katsav loyschar. Right. What case where you hired the person? Kilomar to say stam. He hired him. Stam, I mean, he just paid him money. To light a candle for him whenever he needs. And this is considered to be a form of kablanus, right? Where he's being paid by the job. Because he doesn't have to light any specific amount of candles. He just has to light whenever I need him to. And the other case is a case of Schiris where he pays him every single day a certain amount, but the implication of the Magen Avram is that what you hired him to do is to light a candle for you whenever you need. So if you recall, when we looked at the Ramah, I mentioned that there are two possible scenarios here, right? Scenario one is the case where you have a janitor in a shul, right? Or a uh, custodian, whatever the, the, the nicer term is, right? And you you have that person emptied out the bins and light turn on the lights in the morning, right? He's doing it for your sake, right? But you don't have this degree of kind of, you know, Bechol Eishayirtza, that's a very different story, right? He's not doing it, and this is not the case of the Magen Avram, where the person is following you around or looking whenever you need something, he does it. He will turn on the lights at 7, even if no one shows up. Even if no one shows up until 10 or 11, or if it's a beautiful sunny day and no one needs it, or whatever. And he will not turn the lights back on if there's a, you know, he's gone. So he's not turning on the lights back on if they shut off, right? So there, there is a some degree of separation, and there is a distinction between the case of the custodian and the case of the aide, right? Because in one, the person's really actively looking for when you need something and doing it. In the other case, he turns on the lights at 7 every day. That's his schedule. It's different. From the Shulchan Aruch, we didn't see any reason to make this distinction. But the way the Magen Avram is describing the case of Katzav, it would seem, by inference, and we would have to have support for this, obviously, right? But it would seem that there is a reason to argue from the Magen Avram, at least by omission, right? Or at least the way the Magen Avram is describing the case of Katzav, there would be reason to say that the Magen Avram would permit the case of a custodian. Okay? Now, we're not going to decide this ourselves, obviously, but keep it in mind. But, but in, in yeah. fact, I mean, so the custodian that turns on the light on Shabbat, you, you also brought that he would do it every day, but let's say there's a custodian 
Higher Shabbos. Our, our our custodian on Shabbat, their 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 job is to turn on the light, right? Yeah. But they do it explicitly for Jews, right? I mean, like they 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 have in mind that this is for a you know shul. So so that's problematic from all the other examples, right? If if they do something for Jews, then it's forbidden. 100%. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying, when, right, when I read the Shulchan Aruch, I would have said that, right? There is one difference, is that by a case where someone's hired, right, we also see the fact that he's doing it because this is his job, this is what he's paid to do. The Shulchan Aruch seemed to say that too bad, right? As long as part of his motivation is for you, and you are benefiting from it, right, it doesn't make a difference, right? Right? Because, right, there the are... The are um, but so then the question is why the Magen Avram then had to choose this kind of highly specific case. And he's, he's, he's not choosing his case arbitrarily, right? His case where he's saying that, um, that, that the person, right, that he has to light for you whenever you want, is, it's, it's, it's taking a position. Okay, and you're right, Helmut. I'm not disagreeing with you that logically, and this is what I mentioned right when I read the Shulchan Aruch, I would have said that you are 100% right. While I see a distinction between those these two cases, I would have still said that the case of the custodian, right, he's turning on the lights for the sake of the Jews to use the space, right, right. I mean, yes, it's part of his job. Every morning, he has to go empty the bench, turn on the light, whatever it is, right. And as far as he's concerned. You know, he doesn't care if the Jews end up using it or not. But yes, his stated job description is to go turn it on for the sake of the people using it. The other way of looking at it would be the opposite. To say, let's say we come to shul and the light is on. Should we constantly question when was this turned on? If 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 it was turned on after Shabbat had started, we have to leave and and things like this. This sounds very much like you have to leave your own house because... A Jew, a non-Jew, turned on the light, right? Well, that was the last line that we read in the Shulchan Aruch, right? That the person does not have to, right? If you look at the at the very end of the Shulchan Aruch, the last line, right? If a non-Jew did it in the Jew's house, right, on his own accord, meaning you didn't tell him to, right? The Jew does not need to leave his house, right? Even though he's benefiting from it. So, in such a case, you know, we wouldn't have to ask what happened. Where it is relevant, right? For example, this is kind of one of our our, our big discussions with Rabbi Stein, right? Is um, when we have our Yamim Neorayim services in the uh, Ballroom B. May we return there at some point, right? Um, right, when we have, when we have our, our Yamim Noraim services there, so the lights are off in the morning and they get turned on by a kind of automatic switch, right? By, by a motion sensor, sorry, right? So the only way to do it without us doing it is to ask a non-Jew to walk into the space to do it. So there, one possibility is that we ask them to kind of walk in at, at like, at like, at like, at like 8.30, right? To go, right, to go to go, you know, to go do it for us. So there we had this very big discussion and, you know, we, we know how we, how we resolve it. They go in and they clean it and it turns on, whatever it is. But over there we had exactly this discussion, right, is that we, well, the Hill ostensibly, right, rents the space. I don't know the politics who pays what, but practically speaking, right, they are kind of committing to giving us a space with lights and everything. We want the lights on the whole, the whole time, Right. They they 
don't want to do it for energy saving purposes, right? Okay, so then the light is off. The question is, who's going to turn the light on? So, so you know, over there, this question became very important, right? Who turns on the light? But whatever it is, however we uh, resolved it, even if they came in without our permission, right? Or, you know, the Hillel messed up and said, do it a certain way, right? We don't have to leave, right? We're davening there, right? But practically speaking, we did work it out in a, in a very kind of, you know, the way that we asked them to go in there and, you know, fix something with the pipe and drape early, whatever, and the guy did it every morning, and, I, and he turned on the lights automatically, although I think like nine times out of ten, some Jew walked in by accident too early, and the lights turned on. But, but you know, whatever, whatever the case may be, yes, that, that would be exactly this type of scenario. I was just about to ask, what happens if this custodian or the accident Jew, you know, they're like a non-observant Jew? That, if a non-observant Jew does malacha, can we still piggyback? So that's actually a great question, right? So we brushed into this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Maisa Shabbos, right, in the previous topic, about what happens if a non-Jew does it, right? So generally speaking, we said, right, that if he does it by accident, right, and it's a uh, rabbinic prohibition, which this one is usually with the lights because they're not... They are not, um, they are not, um, my brain froze. They are not in, <laughs> yes, thank you, right. So they are, they are some other form. So whatever, depending on, you know, you know, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's, if it's Darabonin, it's fine. Also, when he went in, if he was irreligious Jew, if he didn't go in to turn on the light, he didn't really violate anything because he's what's called a misasek. Right, and we're, I don't want to get too deep into this, but you know, there's not not all mistakes are created equal. Okay, a misasek is somebody who's not aware that they're even doing an action, and a shogeg is someone who's doing an action but not aware that it's prohibited. Okay, so misasek is a guy who walks into a room not knowing that he's going to turn on the light. We're not even thinking about the turning on of the light. He's a misasek. He's not coming in to do such an action at all. As opposed to a shogeg is somebody who walks in to turn on the light but doesn't know it's prohibited to uh, do so or doesn't know it's Shabbos today, whatever. So there is a, there is a important difference between the two. And generally speaking, when it comes to Maisha Shabbos, misasik is much more lenient. So that's that's in general another 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 important uh, uh, idea. Okay, let's let's finish up one more one more Magen Avram and then and then we'll continue next week. So Magen Avram Gimel. The Gazrinan Shemayarba were concerned that maybe you're going to add Mishom de Achshav Keshayosev Eitzela Eishalo. So we're talking about the case of the fire, right? So he makes a nice warm campfire, and you want to go sit next to the fire and get comfy cozy, right? So we said, okay, comfy cozy is not a word. I just I use it for my kids. So for some reason, I think that's okay to use with adults. It's not. Um, but so so you you. Uh, you uh, so you're sitting next to a fire. Nase makiro. He becomes. He bec They become friends, right? Meaning they say you're sitting. You're hanging out, right? So base Yosef Bach. So the base Yosef and the Bach, right? The mistama keshe Yosef eitzal ha'eshe lohave makiro. When you sit next to his friend, you become friends. Mikodem. The ein ha'akom meniach leishev ish nachri. Because the non-Jew will not allow a stranger to sit next to his fire. Not just non-Jew, anybody. Right? You, you have a fire, you're not necessarily going to let some stranger come sit next. I guess the Bach and the Vesiyosev did not assume that people are particularly southern, right? Um, 
in the south, they would let you sit next to the fire, presuming, you know, provided that you are of the correct ethnicity. But if you, if you, if you, if you know, sorry, but according to that, if you know that you are not friends with him, meaning if you are indeed a stranger, right? Sorry, it is uh, permissible. Venerally, and it appears to me, dim hisekatanor, that if instead of making a barn fire, he heats up a furnace, a oven, right, a stove, kuli alma maida derashai hayisrael likanish lebeisachoref. It is for sure permissible for him to enter the room where he is. Beisachoref is his winter home. Dechimum leechad chimum lemeya, because the same heat is for one is for more. In fact, right, the more people you know create, you know, you need even less heat, right? Vahavikimoneradashari, and it is permissible. The big question is with air conditioning, okay? Because if let's say you're walking into a room, right, and you know there's you know your five Jews piling into a room, right, and the guy is going to lower the air conditioning, right? So there are situations when that could actually make a difference. Okay, one more Magen Avram. Uh, me, sorry, I know I said one more, one more before, but we still have another couple of minutes. Midaitai from his own, from his own uh, perspective. Vizadavka bipamachas. This is, you know, this is only if it's done at one time. Avol mechuyev limchos biyado mikan lahaba. So the case where the person did it right, and you want to know, am I allowed to stay in my home? You are allowed to stay in your home, but you also have to tell the guy that listen, you can't do this for me. Okay. Since the wood and you know, since the you know, we're talking over there, but the guy lighting a fire for you or a candle for you, since the wood belongs to the Jew, and the Jew saw and was quiet, he did it, you know, based on the acquiescence of the Jew. Right, and if the non-Jew says, you know, I'm going to do it against your will, you have to kick him out of your house, right, if he doesn't want to listen to you, even if he's doing it, you know, because he was hired, like you hired this guy, right, for the whole year to come and do these things for you, right? You can't get out of your house on Shabbos, and he comes and he shovels your steps, right, which is irrelevant by the case of snow. Right. We'll talk if that's really a problem, but right. But theoretically, right, if shoveling snow, which many people say is a problem, is a problem, and you can't go to show because he blocks your snow, and his job is to come always when there's snow, and you tell him, "Listen, man, don't do it," and he does it anyway. You have to try to forcibly tell him to stop. Osir is forbidden. The havelik, you know, uh, kablonos. There's a bunch of typos in this thing. I'm surprised, you know, how. Okay, it should be uh, kablonos with a nun. There should be a nun there. Uh, in the house of a Jew, right? And that's going to be an issue, and we're going to talk about it when we learn Simon Ration on Bayes. And let's just see the last Magen Avram, Sarah says you have to leave. You don't have to turn your face or not benefit from what the person did in your house. Unless you want to do something very righteous, which I'm sure we all want to do. You are not allowed to utilize the light. Okay? So in the case where he lit a light that was prohibited for you to use, if it enabled you to do something that you weren't able to do before, you can't do that activity. You can sit there, but you can't read a book. Okay? Don't, if it's not clear yet, we're going to see the Mishnah Brewer. It's going to become clearer. And next week we will continue with the El Yaraba 
and go into this SIF a little bit further, okay? If anybody has any other questions, I will stay on. If not, thank you very much for coming. I'll see you in my channel.